Welcome to Lovin' and Leavin', the podcast where a divorce attorney and a family therapist talk about the issues that affect relationships, marriage, love, and divorce. I am one of your hosts, Mark Schoendorf. I'm a practicing divorce attorney in the Chicagoland area. And I'm your co-host, Denise Ombre. I'm a therapist and I help individuals and couples in the northern suburbs of Chicago navigate relationship issues. And we are here to talk about the different things we see in our professional lives when it comes to relationships. Like jealousy. And infidelity. Personalities. And abuse. And everything else that causes people to leave the one they love. And whether or not those things can be fixed. So welcome to Lovin' and Leavin'. Good afternoon, Denise. Good afternoon, Mark. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. So today's topic is going to be kids as weapons. All right. So what does that mean? That means... Basically, people using their children against their spouse or their former spouse. That's right. And I see a lot of that. Yes, I do too. And I'm sure you see a lot of that too. You know, people do a lot of different things um, with their kids. And we're going to talk basically about two main things that people do. One is using the kids to control the relationship. Mm -hmm. And then uh, we're going to talk about uh, parental alienation. and And how people will sort of interfere with the other parent's role as a parent. Yes. So... What kind of stuff do you see? I mean, in general. Well, I think a lot of what I see is just people trying to use the kids to hurt the other parent and control the relationship with the other parent or control what happens in the relationship with the other parent, like how much time the other parent gets, um, how much love the other parent gets, believe it or not. And sort of how much affection the other the kids can show to the other parent based on what they want from the kids. And it's it's jealousy driven. It's it's anger driven. Well, let's all right. So let's talk about control using kids as control as control. So what are things that that you've seen couples actually do to control each other with the children? Well, controlling time, time spent. How so? Well, sometimes they get really rigid around the the uh, time that they allow the kids to spend with the other parent by either following the divorce decree to the letter and if the other parent, not being flexible at all, you know, yeah. if the other parent needs to change something. I see that. I see. I mean, I see a ton of that. I, what, I, what I will see is I will see, um, I mean, I guess, in, you know, in a perfect world, what you should have, I guess, ideally is, you know, two people have kids. They got to, you know, something comes up on the weekend okay, well, can I have the kids this weekend instead of next weekend because I've got some special whatever, baseball mm-hmm. game or whatever. And then the and ideally the other parent would say, sure, and you just sort of switch up and sort of yeah, work with each other. There's some flexibility. And some parents, are they just say, no Refuse. way. No way. That's right, no way. Right. I will do it this day at 5 o'clock, just like it's stated. And if you can't do that and accommodate that, then forget about it. And why are people doing this? Um, a lot of it, I think, is is driven by anger uh, and just hatred for the other person. <laughs> they just hate that person so much. Yeah, really. And just just wanting to be in control of everything. And I think a, a feeling of revenge sometimes if they were the sort of wronged spouse, mm. if they feel like they were the wronged spouse. I, I see, you know, uh, I'm thinking of one case in particular where the parent, 
I guess they want the other parent to sort of be an ideal parent and they won't. Mm-hmm. So they, they're trying to use the system to make the other person be someone that they're not or act a certain way. Right. Or yeah, behave a, a different way with the kids. Right. Right. And so they're basically saying, well, if you're not going to show that you want the kids, you know, after work, then, you know, then why should I give you more time on the weekends? Because I work too. And there's, you know, there's all this like, you know, sort of judgment going on. Yeah, that happens. That happens too. Like the other parent doesn't behave exactly the way they want them to behave. And so they retaliate with this rigidity. Uh, A lot of what I see sometimes is parents will, uh, not just with the parenting time, the starting and stopping or the days, but they'll use activities. Absolutely. Like they'll basically say, okay, well, I signed Johnny up for hockey and guess when hockey practices, it's on your night. Yeah. And I see it with therapy too. Like we're getting Susie into therapy and guess what? It happens during your parenting time. Right. Uh, Or uh, what other examples have I seen? Um, Playdates, you know, well, you know, uh, so-and-so invited us, Johnny to a movie. So I said, yes, but now you got to take the kid and, you know, and I don't, they they don't run it by each other. They're not saying, Hey, that's right. And to me, it seems so simple in the process to say, why don't you just call the person up and tell, or even tell the kid, well, let me ask daddy, you're supposed to be with daddy, you know, on Saturday. So let me see if that's okay. But they don't. Why they don't, why don't they do that? Um, again, I think a lot of it is, is driven by anger and they, they don't mind inconveniencing the other person. And they sometimes want to make the other person look bad or want to take time away from the other person. I see that tactic a lot. Like, well, if you want to take your kid away from his friends, that's your decision. That's right. To kind of retaliate against what the other person's done to them. It all comes down to anger. Yeah. A lot of it comes down to anger. And is that, I mean, because not every couple is like that. Not every couple is like that. And I tell people they need to love their kids more than they hate the other person. Okay. Because wow. the profound. kids are the people that lose out in all of this. And so, um, yeah, again, I mean, I see that in the, in play out in the courtroom. Uh, and what end, ends up happening is uh, you know, sometimes it plays against the parent where, you know, you say, look, you're supposed to schedule these things mm-hmm. and you're supposed to run them by the other party. You're not supposed to schedule an activity on the other party's parenting time. It gets tougher when the kids get older and you're like, look, the kids in travel soccer. So, you know. Yeah, it's during everybody's parenting yeah, it's time. Everyone's <laughs> parenting time. And sometimes judges kind of say that. But they mm-hmm. also say, you know, hey, don't don't plop your kid, you know, into something and then you know, make dad run around or make mom run around uh and you know do your bidding um just for the sake of the kids right so and then you know you do enough of that it's start, you know it starts looking pretty bad for you in a divorce case exactly um sort of like death by a thousand cuts but it's one of those things where um it can go either way i think that uh, it's it's not good it's not great but then we we're also looking at like well is that the best time is the only time the kid can be in soccer or is there another dance class and what's good for the kid and they do it with Things a lot of times like therapy or doctor's appointments or, you know, things that the kid, you know, can't miss. Right. So then the other parent says, well, what am I going to do? Not take them to therapy or not take them to a doctor's appointment? I can't do that. Sometimes what they'll do is, I've seen this, you're talking about doctor's appointments, like they don't tell the other side about it or they tell about it, you tell them about it like, you know, the morning of, like, guess what? There's a specialist appointment at 1130, you know, and it's nine o'clock and you get that text message. 
Right. And they're being very, it's very, very passive aggressive because now, right. you know, well, I told them about it, but, you know, are we going to have a trial, a full blown trial on Over when? that. Yeah. When did you make the appointment and how, you know, when were you supposed to have known about it? And I guess you could. I've seen it. But are you going to do that every time? It's very expensive it's to expensive. do that every time. It's expensive. It's very tiring. Yeah. The other thing, so not just control, uh, you're trying to sort of make the, the other parent hop to it, um, but actually interfering with the parent's relationship, the other parent's relationship with the child. Yes. Which we call... Parental alienation. Alienation. So let's talk about that. What, what do you see people doing? Really trying to interfere with the how much the child loves the other parent or or is angry at the other parent like trying to make the kids angry at the other parent and lose their relationship with the other parent i mean how do they do that well i have i have people who go so far as to lie to their kids about what the other parent has done um for instance i have one one parent who says to their kids on a regular basis daddy abandoned you he abandoned the family um he left me he had an affair he you know tells them all kinds of inappropriate things about what daddy has done and the kids are angry at daddy right but of course but now and then that stems from, I guess, the you know the parents' anger at the other. That other parent. stems from the parents' anger at the other parent. Uh, is there anything that I mean? And I've seen this as well. I, I see, you know, what do I see? I see a lot of oversharing, over-involving the kid in what's going on. Right. There's a lot of you know. Uh, I don't know why you need to explain to a nine-year-old the dynamics of your divorce case, but I see that. And, and parents do it under the the guise of being honest you know, with their kid. Oh, I want to be honest with my kid. I don't want to lie to them about what's happening. But it, that's just a rationalization for being angry. Right. I mean, really, at, at some point, you can just tell the kid, we're, you know, we're just not doing this. That's, that's they're, right. They're, this you don't is need adult reason. stuff. You don't, you don't need to know this stuff. Right. Exactly. Uh, I have seen, um, you know, the direct cause and effect, you know, blaming like, well, well we can't go on a vacation because I got to pay for a lawyer because your dad's a jerk. Exactly. And, and it, you know, and sort of equating or, you know, you can't go to the camp you wanted because now we got to fight about it in court. And or daddy won't pay for this. Therefore, you can't do it. Yeah, that's, there's exa that's exactly that. And that stuff builds up over time. That's right. And it makes the kids very angry. And it works, doesn't it? It works. It, it works. absolutely works. These and kids, it's such, it's to the detriment of the children. They don't have the facilities to deal with the possibility that there is another side or their parents are fallible people. And are, That's right. You know, and so uh, they're, and, I mean, the parents, they're angry, they're frustrated. They are, this is sort of the only outlet that they have. Mm -hmm. And it's misdirected, obviously. Exactly. And sometimes I see them doing it when, you know, maybe the other party is really, you know, acting up, maybe they're, they're, they're a bad actor, but I sort of have to explain, try to convey to everyone involved, well, just because he's a bad guy doesn't mean he doesn't get to see his kids. Or that it's in the best interest of the children to make them hate the other parent just because he did some things that weren't so good to you. So in the courtroom, parental alienation doesn't bode well. So one of the factors in determining who has parenting responsibility and in determining parenting time mm -hmm. is whether one party's uh, facilitating the relationship of the child and the other parent. Right. So if you can show to the court what you're doing or what the other party is doing, that they're getting in the way and they're sort of poisoning the mind of the child, um, you know, that helps you sort of win, you know, what you used to call custody or you sort of get more parenting time. 
And it's, it's kind of hard to prove. I mean, you, you sort of have to really get in there and, and show that that's, that's actually the case. It is hard to prove, I think. Um, a lot of it is hearsay. And if the kids are young, they can't exactly testify to it. Well, what they'll do is they'll, they'll, you'll have a child rep mm -hmm. that will interview the kids, talk to the kids. You might have a custody evaluator, which is somebody who is a mental health professional that right. you know interviews people. And they can make that determination pretty clearly if that they see the dynamic of what's going on. Usually by the time you're that deep in a case, there's a course of communication that will sort of lay things out. Mm -hmm. um, you know, for example, so I have a case where, you know, dad might tell mom something, something bad happens or whatever, like kid goes to the hospital and mom doesn't tell the kid for, until the, the, the dad for an extended period of time or somebody else's, you know, big happens and there. You can tell when, you know, you're checking your messages because of the programs that they use. Right. And, you know, clearly mom had seen a message, failed to communicate, failed to respond on, on something urgent. Um, and that's how the determination can get made is by looking at what actually happens. Sure. And uh, I've got a case where the mom didn't find out the kid had been in the ER till she got the bills through the insurance company. Wow. Yeah, it was bad. Yeah, that's pretty bad. Yeah. And so uh, that right there, basically, it's a, it's a gross disrespect of the, the parents, the other parents role. Right. It's, it's you know, sidelining it, essentially. Saying exactly. You're, and, but that's not the same thing as, as alienation in the sense of, um, you know, we're talking about uh, turning the kids against the other against parent. Against the other parent. Yeah. And so a lot of what I see also is um, there's a little bit too much of deferring to the children. Yeah, that's another way that this happens. And once it gets started and they start to give the kid too much power, uh, like you don't have to see daddy if you don't want to see daddy. Uh, you get to make this decision. You get the choice of whether you go or not. Giving the kid way too much power in... And why, do, and why, is, why is a parent doing that with the children? Well, again, they rationalize that this is the best thing for the kid, but it's really not. Um, the but wh why are these people unable? Because the, the answer seems to be get in the car. You're going to see your right. mom, right? And why are these people unable to just do that? Just say, you know, this is the way it's going to be. You have to go see your mom. I don't care what you think. You know, you can you sit know, in the corner and just say nothing the whole time you're there if you want, but you got to go. Right. And there, there are a lot of reasons for this. I mean, transitions are hard for kids. So especially at the start of a divorce and, and the younger the kid, the more this is true. Kids have a tough time with the back and forth. And so they may cry and they may say, I don't want to go. I don't want to go. And the parent will, will rationalize, oh, they really don't want to go. When, it, when that's not the case, they do want to see the other parent. They're just going to miss the parent they're with. The trouble with the divorce is the kid is always missing somebody. Right. So when they're with the other parent, then they they don't want to go home again. You know, they have the same thing in the reverse because trans transitions are hard. Right. So they have the parent has to overcome that and say, "You're going anyway. It's yeah, I've okay. Seen that. I've You're seen going that anyway." With, with young children, I've seen that. With where... young children, it's really hard. And so if the parent doesn't have the best interest of the kid at heart, they will rationalize because they want to hurt the other parent. Oh well, then you don't have to go. What happens when the kids get older? I mean, I've seen a lot of it's it's one thing when the kid is seven years old, eight years old, mm -hmm. you gotta go see your other, you know, your your mom right. or your dad. But the kid starts becoming thirteen, fourteen, fifteen years old. You can't exactly take a fifteen year old boy who's on, you know, junior J V football <laughs> by the arm and right. shove him into a car uh, at that point and you know, tell him to go see your, your dad. At that point, he says, I don't want to go, and you're not going to make me go because I want to hang out with my friends and screw right. mom, and that's it. 
Well, if you've facilitated the relationship up until then, you don't face this battle as much. The kids are are used to the back and forth. They want to see the other parent and you just don't have the same kind of battle. Uh, yeah, you get some resistance around their friends and they want to hang out with their friends and you deal with that. But it's not it's not the same as it is when you've given them too much power all along. I, again, I've seen situations where, well, 16 year old, how are you going to control a 16 year old? You mm -hmm. know, they, they don't want to go. And uh and sometimes people defer to that. They say, well, you know, it is it is what it is. Uh, and sometimes I got a level with clients and they come to me and they got a 16-year-old. And I said, well, by the time you're done fighting this battle, the kid's going to be able to vote. That's right. <laughs> you know? And they're going to decide for themselves. Yeah. And uh, vote with their feet and uh, literally vote. And so um, how do you f fix that? Well, that I think takes some work between the parent and the child. You know, then you need to maybe get into some counseling with your child and work on the relationship because then it's a matter of the child really has to to value the relationship with the other parent right? and want to see them and and take that into their own hands um, to to have that relationship be strong. We have that remedy available. I've seen, you know, court ordered reunification therapy. Yeah. Um, which is, you know, key and sort of important. Yes. Um, but uh, again, it's sort of, it's a big, it's a big step and everyone's, everyone's got to be committed and getting a 15 year old or 16 year old to commit is pretty hard. And sometimes I find like, I'll see that situation, but you know, the parent who's trying to reunite actually is sort of self-sabotaging and they may, they may, you know, yes, it's court ordered, but then they sort of scoff it off or they don't do what they're supposed to do, mm -hmm. which then just pisses off the, the child even more. That's right. If you if you want to have that reunification therapy work, you really have to be committed to it. You really have to follow through because that kid is watching your every move. And at that point, they're, they're sort of angry because. And if you don't get there, I mean, if you don't, you know, I mean, what happens? You, you know, you're, you know, and I've seen parents who have, you know, a 15 or 16 year old. They don't have that relationship. They kind of given up, or they're like, well, you know, how am I mm -hmm. going to fix this? It's too daunting. And then, then what? So then, what happens? then you you honestly lose that relationship with your kid. And then does it ever come back? Do the kid, does the kid ever realize, hey? It depends. For some kids, it, it does. I've worked with, you know, 20-somethings who want to kind of rekindle a relationship with a parent that they've sort of lost in adolescence or in, in childhood. Uh, I've worked with other 20-somethings who have sort of written off a, a parent that through divorce they've lost and they've, Kind of come to terms with that so it really depends on the on the relationship and so well i mean the message here really is that the way pe sometimes the way people are acting with each other in a divorce with regards to their kids can have lifelong lasting effects. it has lifelong lasting effects that's kind of kind of sobering yeah which again is why i tell people they need to love their kids more than they hate the other person that's, that's good advice thank you for joining us for this episode of loving and leaving if you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, please find and like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Tell your friends about us. And of course, if you yourself are having personal or relationship issues that you would like to work on or need help with, and you live in or near Chicago, you can find me on the internet at deniseombre.com. That's A-M-B-R-E. Or call at 847-729-3034. Again, on the web at deniseombre.com or 
727-729-3034. If you are unfortunately at a point where your relationship or marriage is not working and you need legal guidance, I am available. I focus on all aspects of family and divorce law, including child custody, support, dividing property, businesses, handling parenting time and visitation, and everything that goes along with it. You can visit me on the web at IllinoisDivorceLaw.net, again, IllinoisDivorceLaw.net, or call 312-878-1202 to set up a consultation. Again, 312-878-1202, and I would be happy to help. Please mention the podcast when you call. And if there's a topic you think we should cover, let us know on Twitter or Facebook. Thanks again, and join us next time on Lovin' and Leaving.